Well, my question to you this morning is, what is your response to the gospel? We're going to be wrapping up where I started a couple weeks ago. And it's funny how, you know, when you, when you say you're going to finish at a certain time and you really have to do it now, suddenly series become one part, two part, three part series. So we were supposed to finish this a couple weeks ago, but I'm glad that the Spirit encouraged me to spend focused time on what we had, not to rush it, because it gives us some good time this morning to really truly see something so vastly important. And I don't know that we would see it, we would recognize it for what it is, with just a a blush, a cursory look at it. So let me bring it to you one more time. What is your response to the gospel? And it's interesting, I was in a Catholic church this time last week. And it was a fascinating time. And uh, some of you are like, why, why were you in a Catholic? What were you doing in a Catholic church? Uh, for some of us, we know my story. I, I, was, uh, I was adopted by two wonderful, wonderful people that, in my book, are heroes. Because they reached out and took that which was cast aside, right? And uh, a few years ago, 2012, I finally got to figure out, through literally divine intervention, uh, God introduced me to this crazy family. Crazy family on my mother's side. And that story is, is uh, we don't have time for that today, but if I were to answer this question, what is my response to the gospel? It would have much to do with what I experienced last week. You see, there are six of us siblings, and we're very much not alike. But here's the amazing thing. There is the oldest, and there's the youngest. And I know you all never thought of me as a little baby. I never have. But I am the baby of the family. Now the oldest, I met in person this past week, a week ago Sunday, as he was leading his congregation. My, my oldest brother is a Catholic priest. And as he, we saw each other moments before the service started, and we had an incredible embrace. And then he did his entry up the main aisle, and I'm sitting off like many of you are this morning in the shadows, trying not to be noticed. Yeah. And the very first thing, I don't think this was part of the liturgy for the morning, the very first thing from his mouth was, this is one of the greatest days in my life. My little brother, I don't really think of myself as, was an oxymoronic statement. But my little brother is sitting right over there. And then he says, and he's an evangelical pastor. And he said the same thing. Miracles do happen. And so he was just so excited. And then uh, he came down off of the altar, off the stage, and, and went to do his homily. 
And it was just so interesting because he said, I am sweating bullets up here. I have never had to preach a message in front of an evangelical pastor, let alone my brother. You know, the fascinating answer for me to this question is, what is my response to the gospel? It was a fascinating time getting connected And number five, as we affectionately called Nina, I'm number six, she and I were adopted out. The other four had a very hard time, an extremely hard, hard life. And I never thought about it, but from my perspective, from my eyes, from my vantage point, I always wondered, what did I do wrong? What what was wrong that, that this happened? And I so desperately longed to know, you know, who were these people, right? We all have these things. It may, my story is my story. Your story is your story. But that's why I'm asking you, and I'm trying to reveal this to you. What is your response to the gospel? And I spent so much time letting that thing define me. That thing destroy me. That thing change me. And as we sat at a Starbucks for the second time that day, because we just didn't want to stop talking, We were sitting out there about 10 o'clock at night, and Ray revealed something to me that was compelling. Was that once they knew about Nina and I being adopted and being given new life, being given a family that you would always dream of, there was great envy. And I never would have thought What an interesting thought. And my mind went straight to the gospel. I was in Baltimore for a conference, a symposium on multicultural churches. All I did was mention Anna. That's all I did. Okay, you have a French and Japanese woman who speaks Spanish. So it doesn't get, nobody can top that. Nobody, Anna. And we talked about so much of the difficulties and problems within the churches not being multicultural and how do we do this, how do we reach all nations. And I have to tell you, the best thing I can bring back to you is that it is the gospel that goes beyond any problem, any difficulty that we have. Whether it was Ray with his issues, me with my issues, you with your issues, what is your response to the gospel? Let's look this morning. We're going to break this down according to what Paul has written We're talking about walking worthy. These were Paul's words. He said, walk in a worthy manner, or a manner worthy of Jesus Christ. The way that the Greek breaks down there is simply parallel. When it says worthy, it is a a word that, that gives you the scope and understanding of parallel. Right? So in essence, Paul is saying, if you're going to walk in a manner worthy of Jesus Christ, then you are going to walk in His example. And it is only through the power of Christ that you can do that. And we talked through all of that uh, last week that Paul then gives some instruction. He gives some uh, qualifiers, if you will, about what does that look like. He talks about growing in the knowledge of God's will. 
He talks about growing in spiritual wisdom and understanding. He talks about bearing fruit, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened by God. He talks about doing this with endurance and patience. He talks about the uh, picturesque view of us as believers because of the Gospel and walking in a manner worthy of Jesus Christ, that there is great joy in our lives. And he wraps that as we get into verse 12 with the idea and the concept of thankfulness. We're going to be doing verses 12 through 14. Let me go ahead and read that for you today. And it's, I, I apologize because we are in mid-sentence. Geneva did us no favors with the numbering here. Alright, so let me, I'll, I'll back it up a little bit and we'll, we'll pick it up in verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father. Now, here we go. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody once say, whether it was Bible college, whether it was seminary, whether it was conferences, whether it was any of you, or whether it was even myself, or St. Janine. I don't know that I've heard anybody ever say that when you're going to talk about the Gospel, when you want to go to a concise passage of, of Scripture, that you would turn to Colossians 1, 12-14. But I'm telling you right now, that since doing this study, this will be one of the areas I will refer people to over and over and over. You just heard, you just read the message of the Gospel. If you know Jesus, if you have that relationship with Him, then you understand or you can appreciate deeply all those things that Paul just referred to. He speaks about what it means to walk worthy in a manner of Christ. And what does he help us understand? He takes us back like we did this morning. In remembrance, right? In remembrance. Remembrance of what? Remembrance of what was given and afforded to each of us in spite of the darkness that tries to entrap us. So let's look at this. Let's break this down this morning. How does one please God? This was a great question that we started with two weeks ago. And as we read in verses 12 through 14, let's break that down. Number one, we are qualified by the Father. Did you see that in verse 12? It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Qualified you to do what? How many of you have some kind of licensing, some kind of a degree? You, you are qualified to do certain things. Uh, my wife's car recently had a little bit of a hiccup, and I like going to YouTube, right? That's one of the great things YouTube can do for you. I have saved thousands of dollars off of the most mundane repairs, and you can just watch a guy step you through. Just to, like, change the oil on this car, you have to disassemble the entire engine, Okay. And, and the particular part that was wrong with, this, with what was going on required that you disassemble the entire front of the car, remove the... Re on and on. It's 15 hours of labor. Just do it. And so this guy on YouTube shows you step-by-step step how to do it. 
And I almost did it. I won't tell you what the repair costs, but I am not qualified to do that repair. And it would have disqualified my bank account permanently. What has he qualified you for? Grace. Grace. Turn to Romans. Romans 8.32. I want you to see, I want you to recognize what this looks like in fact, we're going to use this verse, this scripture, to help us glean the reality of this. He has qualified you for grace. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Are you in that position currently where you are in need? Where you find yourself in a position that you don't have the ability to accomplish what has to be done. You are going to have to rely on something greater than you. And we know if we have walked with the Lord that He has given us graciously. And He's saying, Paul is saying, look, He gave His Son to die that you might have eternal life. What you got? So you're like, well, that's horrible grammar, Pastor Jeremy. Let me clarify what I'm saying for you over 40. In other words, you don't have anything bigger than that that He can handle or not handle. With a little emphasis applied. But what do we do when the crisis hits? God, why have You forsaken me? Or we just stop talking to him. Because what have you done for me lately, God? You see, grace says this, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Now by all things, He's not meaning all things. Don't sit by the door waiting for Publishers Clearinghouse to show up with the check. Okay? By the way, I don't, I don't get that. Again, that was for, you know, the one thing was for under 40. That was for over 40. Because over 40, you know, under 40 doesn't even know what is a publisher's clearinghouse. They're like, people with magazines come clean your house? What, what happens? I don't even know that that's a real entity. Has anybody snoped that thing? Because uh, have you ever seen it anywhere? I've never seen any buildings. I've never seen a representative. And yet those people are supposed to show up with a big check. I don't know. Sounds a little little hinky to me what is it that you have can I encourage you you start with the fact that he qualified you for grace and if he has done that there is nothing more do you get that there is nothing more the most impossible has been done it has been accomplished and he qualified you that let's move on so that's where you start with the gospel by the way we're practicing that today with ariana's family there are so many families around california that have lost everything and there's probably many believers that have lost everything 
And yet, they have not lost their soul. But here's what we can do. We can be an image of God as a church who gives what we have for those who are in desperate need. Is that not a picture of the gospel? Absolutely it is. And so as we're starting out Missions Month, the very first Sunday, we're participating in this. We're doing that with our local community as an action, as an example, as a practice of walking in a manner worthy. Number two, he says this, that we will share in the inheritance of the saints. Oh, now we're excited. We're talking about inheritances. How many of you have gone through that? Don't raise your hands. What a hideous thing. And, and on and on and on it goes. With, with families sometimes, sometimes, where greed comes in and causes problems. Well, that's not how this is with Christ. It's not how He responds. It's not how God has set things up. What we have been given is grace, and it's grace that is qualified by the Father, and it is freely given, and there are no limitations on it, and it is building a kingdom of the saints who have been qualified. And the inheritance that is waiting for us is glorious. Scripture says that it cannot be corrupted. It doesn't rust. It doesn't dull out. It is eternal. It will not wear out. And we will always be satisfied by it. I need to preach this right before Christmas, don't I? What has He qualified you and I for? Look, there's been plenty of things that I'm walking around a, a home and garden show. I've never walked around a home and garden show, but I just pictured myself doing it. But I've walked around fairs and other places like that, right? And you have too. And all of a sudden somebody walks up to you and they want to hand you something for free, right? Or here, sign up, you get this free giant's blanket. Sign up for this visa, you're qualified. And how many people sign up for these things because they're going to get what? If you don't have the giant's blanket, you're not signing up. We operate that way. So what is it about the gospel, our response to the gospel, what's waiting for us that we're so fascinated that we've been qualified, that we've been given something? What is it? If you have responded to Christ in kind, if you have said, yes, I, I have faith, I desire relationship with you, if you have done that, why did you do it? What is so great about this? You see, Paul understands it. It's the inheritance. It's the inheritance. And the great part about this inheritance, my friends, my brothers and sisters, is we don't just wait till heaven comes. Boy, are there some things coming. And if you're not in a life group, you're going to miss this. But you, pick up, you can pick up the life group notes, read through Revelation 21. That's just a snapshot of what's coming. But here's the beauty of what's given to us now through grace. What we inherit now. Look around the room. Thank you, Megan. You're the only one looking around the room. Right. It was not rhetorical. Appreciate it. Yes. Simpatico. We inherit each other right now. We inherit each other. And the blessings and the trials that we are to each other. Why are you here this morning? 
I'm here because God's called me to be here. I believe you're here because God's called you to believe here, be here. But I believe one of the strongest components as to why we draw together every Sunday is that love and community that we share with one another because of what? Look, I'm not that interesting. I don't think if I wasn't the pastor of the church, y'all not coming over to my house saying, hey, I want to spend hours with that guy. Thank you. You get a star next to your membership. It is because of Christ in us. We get to participate in that inheritance right now. Amen? What are you qualified for? An inheritance of light with the saints. This past year, I got to go to a few Warrior games. I wanted to take my son for his birthday. That's what he wanted for his birthday, so I was going to do that. And we found out that these seats I bought, again, somehow Publishers Clearinghouse must have been behind us. But they weren't even seats. It's like, I won't tell you how much the tickets were. But nowhere on the ticket did it tell us that they weren't actual seats. It was all the way up at the top. Now, I'm okay with that. But you didn't even get a seat. You had to stand. And I found out the day before, I'm checking the tickets, and I see some weird acronym or whatever there, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. So I call, and it's, or I look on the map, and surprise, you get to enjoy this erect, standing up. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And I'm not doing that to my son. And so I called, and, and I called Warriors, and they gave me, almost for the same amount of money, they gave me a four-pack of tickets for four games last year. So there's your lesson. Don't deal with those outside groups. Just go straight to... So one of those, uh, no, I got to take Bob Huffman. And it was a very special night. We were qualified for something very special. And I was very excited about it. And we got to do a special meet and greet beforehand. We were still sitting way up high. But beforehand, we got to go down into the clubhouse area for a meet and greet. And we got to walk through the, through the bottom parts. We got to walk on the court. And, and, uh, and so we're talking about provision. And we'll get to it in Ephesians 1. But here's Bob. And, and doesn't he look excited? And he's got his little bobblehead doll right there on, on, the, on the table. And so this is a special room that they have. Uh, for VIP meetings, and it was a VIP thing, and we were qualified for it. And so we were very excited about what we were going to inherit. We inherited a bobblehead doll. But, you know, there was a, a, a provision. We were given a special ticket, and that ticket provided us access. Access to someone very important. Some of you know who that person is. Some of you have no clue. That's the logo of the NBA, Jerry West. And Bob got his picture taken with Jerry West. And if you ever want to see the video of Bob after this, I'd love to show it to you. He was like a kid in a candy store. But it was, it was an exciting night. But you know what? We're not going all the way down those steps. We're not going onto the court and going back into these back rooms. And we're not getting access to... Um, this, this glorious opportunity to ask questions. I got to ask Jerry, Jerry West two questions. And, and it was really cool. 
But none of that's happening unless the gal in the warrior's office provided that access. So this morning, that's the third thing that he talks about with the gospel is provision. It's provision. We get to share in the inheritance of the saints. This is provision. Ephesians 1 speaks about this. Listen carefully as, as I read this. And again, this is in part of the, uh, the life group notes. But listen and see how many times you hear the word uh, inheritance, if you will. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Talk about provision. He didn't say um, a few spiritual blessings. He said that He's given us every spiritual blessing. This is the Gospel. And He's given it to us in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be made holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Does this sound like a compassionate, giving, provisional God? I'm only halfway done with this sentence in Greek. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He just sprinkled on us lightly. No. This is one of my favorite words in all of Scripture. I don't know what your translation says, but mine says, which He lavished upon us. He lavished upon us. I have a, I have a mental image of this. And it has everything to do with Barbasol shaving cream. Alright? You ever just try to get a little shaving cream out of that thing? I mean, that's like exponential math. A math teacher ought to use that for, for uh, an illustration. You, you get a little bit here, and boom, and also, it's like nuclear fission on your hand. And then you, you're, you're putting it on your face, and all of a sudden, you look like Santa Claus. You're like, how did this happen? That is the visual of lavish. He has lavished these blessings upon us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now listen, here comes the I word. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. And here he goes again. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our what? Inheritance. Until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Amen? Amen. So when we talk about provision, I hope that passage gives you a, a small snapshot of what God is doing and of what God desires to do for you. Please understand that that does not mean that we will not suffer. This would be a hard point to sell right now up in Oregon, wouldn't it? There are believers all around that are suffering and there are believers in our church that are suffering. The idea is that the gospel demonstrates to us that God is providing for us beyond those trials there is an answer to those trials 
that ultimately he has something set up for us where he provides everything. Everything. This morning, the last, or the second to last point is delivered us from darkness. He's delivered us from darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, Paul says. This is the concept of transformation. Moving from the old to the new. This is something that whether you know Christ or whether you have yet to know of Him, Christ says that I'm here to take those who are sick and make them what? Make them well again. I am here to give you freedom from sin and death. To move you from the old to the new. This morning, if there's anything I want us to wrestle with in our response to the Gospel, it would be this point. How do you know if you truly know Jesus Christ? Are you ready? It's because you attest, you confess with your mouth that He is who He says He is. Number one. And number two, you change. You change. You change into that which He is molding you into for the better. Your desires change. Your actions change. Your habits change. You are transformed. I was in something that people call a band in my mid-twenties. I think the qualifier was we had instruments. That was about it. And at the same time, we had a good friend that uh, had an outreach ministry in downtown um, Los Angeles to the homeless. And so we would go out with him every Friday night and, and serve with him. And so we got the bright idea one time to go down to downtown to this place called Another Planet. It was a, it was a burnt-out gas station, an old Chevron, that the homeless community kind of turned into their cultural fine arts center. And uh, I'll never forget it. We had practiced and practiced and practiced. And we were loading up all of our equipment because we didn't have any roadies. We were so bad we didn't even have roadies. And, uh, but we were picking up some friends of ours. And the two other guys in the band, um, one of the guys had a girlfriend that wanted to come on the, on the trip. And she had a friend that wanted to come that was kind of in a bad, bad way. And so we keep stuffing everybody into this tercel. I don't know how we did it. But as we're driving down to downtown, this gal Paula just doesn't look good at all. She looks really bad. But she starts talking about a lot of different things concerning religion because she heard that, you know, we were believers. So she's asking a bunch of questions. And uh, we got down there and it was, it was dark and we're trying to play music and some guy lights off a flare. It was very Pink Floydish. I don't know what was going on. And uh, then I was with somebody else and was talking and witnessing with somebody. And, and I, couldn't, I had no idea where the other two guys were. And later on that night, I found out that they were uh, back in the car because it was raining. That was one reason. I was out in the rain. They're, they're smarter than me, I guess. But they were talking with Paula, sharing the gospel with Paula. And it turns out that that was the first night in 31 days that she had not done coke. She's a 16-year-old girl. She wasn't living at home. She was living with a 22-year-old man in Santa Monica who was abusing her. And 
her life was incredibly desperate. And so Mike and Greg were sharing the gospel with her. Fast forward a year and a half later, Mike and I, band's broken up. We didn't get signed by anybody. So we moved on with our lives. Mike and I are walking through the Northridge Mall. And there's this beautiful young gal walking towards us. And there's not anybody in the mall. It's like 11 in the morning. And why we were at the mall, I don't know. But we're walking through this mall, and this beautiful young gal is walking towards us. And we're just chatting. And as we're getting closer, she, she keeps looking at us. and keeps, It was a little unnerving. keeps looking at us. It um, wasn't that unnerving because we were both single at the time. But, um, and so we just breached this moment where we just passed. And all of a sudden, this girl says, Jeremy, Mike? And we're like, we turn around, and she says, it's Paula. And, and for a minute, we were both quiet, because we were like, and we're looking at each other, do you know Paula? I don't know Paula. What, but Paula? And she goes, that night, down at another planet. And she went on to share that the gospel got a hold of her that night changed her entire life around. She moved in with her grandmother. She was going to school. She was unrecognizable. Not just because on the surface she looked like she got her stuff together. The joy in her heart was unrecognizable from that previous Paula. The gospel transforms. Amen? The last point this morning is the kingdom of Christ. That this is what we look forward to. This is where we are going. And it's simply the point of salvation. That that's what the gospel is all about. It is about the kingdom of Christ. He has qualified you. He's delivered you from the, uh, the depths of darkness and sin. He has an inheritance waiting for you and I. And all of that's culminated with this kingdom of Christ. What does that look like? Well, I could try to describe it, but the Bible does a better job. So turn to 1 Peter, if you will. 1 Peter 1. And I want you to listen carefully. I'm actually going to start in verse 3. Go verse 3 through verse 9. This is the culmination of the gospel, my friends. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is... Oh, what word was there? Inheritance. We're not even in Colossians. An inheritance that is what? Imperishable, undefiable, and unfading. Kept. I have this great watch. See, that moment right there, that's why we always run over. I should just stick with this. But I have this great watch, and I got it because I got one from my dad, and it's kind of a connection between my dad and I. Looks like a Rolex, doesn't it? Ooh, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a knockoff. Get over it. Okay? It's not even, there's not even an R in the word. Okay? It's Polex or something. I don't know. I put this watch on, and I'm looking at it, and I saw his watch when I was out there, and his is all shiny. Mine isn't shiny. Um, his works. Mine doesn't. Actually, oddly enough, my watch says it's 11.16 right now, but it says that every hour of the day. Just happen to look at the right time. 
you know, when he says what? That, it, that the inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Sometimes we make it all about the bling and that's what we get our hearts excited about. Your response to the gospel should be after something that never, never fades. Think about the power of that. The blessing of that. And is kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you what? You mourn, you lament, you weep deeply. What does it say? You rejoice. We could use a little more rejoicing about the gospel. We truly could. We could. That should be our response to the gospel. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen? That is the Gospel. My question in closing to you is, what is your response? What is your response to the Gospel? Because the gospel commands a response so that we might walk in a manner worthy of Jesus Christ. Let me close in prayer this morning. Lord, we have heard so much from your scripture today about provision, about grace, about inheritance, about rejoicing, about salvation, about freedom. Father, all of those things are amassed into one word, which is the gospel, which simply means the good news. Father, let us live in the light. Let us respond to the gospel. Let us rejoice. Let us walk in a manner worthy of Jesus Christ. Take our gifts, our offerings today, Lord. Multiply them for your use. Make them tremendously powerful and effective in the presentation and use of the gospel to change lives and to give pragmatic help to those in need as well, Lord. Bless the giver. Thank you for walking with us, through us, and in front of us and behind us. To your glory, Lord. Amen.